HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Restaurants employ over 15 million people nationwide. And two-thirds of all restaurants are independently owned and not part of big chains. Yet, currently, these small businesses are not represented in government relief negotiations. Roar is working to change that by fighting for relief opportunities for all restaurants. Roar is advocating for an eight-point plan in New York State that will allow restaurants to reopen and rehire when the time comes. Dozens of industry leaders have signed onto this plan, like Namwa Tea Parlor, Field Trip, Momofuku, and many more of your favorites. You can join them at change.org by searching for Roar, relief opportunities for all restaurants. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. My name is Southern Teague. And I'm Greg Benson. Hey, fellas. Hey, man. What is going on? Oh, man. I'm just sitting in the house drinking. It's a very new thing for me. Um, (laughs) Drinking? I I, I did not. At home. Yeah, (laughs) at home, though. Um, Yeah, it's, uh, you know, we've got to do what we can, you know, with what we have. As it turns out, and uh, I have lots and lots of Havana Club rum and lots of mezcal from my recent trip to Oaxaca, so it's not too bad. Things aren't too bad. Wait, it's you still bad. have you still have mezcal from the time we went to Oaxaca, dude? I yeah, <laughs> I was like saving it. I was saving some of it, but like I also brought a lot back. I you know whenever I go on trips like internationally, I I bring back as much as I can, if not more, like more than the legal amount uh yeah. but yeah, yeah I, I, was, I brought back a shit ton <laughs> i brought back a lot from that trip too but uh, it's all gone <laughs> oh wow well, i'm a sipper man uh, you know like I, I don't know i just i just i, I don't know maybe i'm just sipping on being lazy. right now not from that trip though um so here we are it's uh you know we're still in you know national sort of lockdown until the 30th um uh, so we're all uh, separately recording this from our respective you know, homes. I'm in my closet with a bunch of blankets hanging over me to kind of create a sound booth. Uh, Damon, you've got a more professional gear at your place in San Francisco. Greg, you're here in Brooklyn as well, also kind of in a closet, right? Yes, I'm in a. Well, I'm in. I'm in what 
up until recently was my cellar, um, AKA my closet. Uh, I had to move out all of the old bottles of beer that I've been saving. So then I just kind of strewn <laughs> about my bedroom, but yes, uh, in, in a closet surrounded by blankets and dish towels, like I'm in a, in a high school play again. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we're all we're all just doing what we can with what we've got. So, uh, and th- you know that's what everyone else that's listening is doing as well. So we're all we're all in this together. That at least makes it feel a little bit more, um, I don't know, sane. Uh, it feels less insane that it's not just happening to you know, you know, one of us. It's happening to all of us. So here we are. Um, and this is you know honestly, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun to get to you know do a, a new a new thing, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, we're I- all we're all alone together, which is. A weird thing to be but you know it's nice to to be able to i mean damon you're way the hell out in san francisco we're still here in brooklyn and even though we're not in a studio together sharing drinks we're talking to each other while uh having having some pleasant day drinks and spreading the good word yeah i've yeah. got some i sort of i sort of have some bone of contention with the notion of social distancing i feel like we're we're physically distancing but uh, but frankly during this time i've been more social with people than ever before more more time spent on the telephone, more time spent on, uh, you know, live uh, video feeds like Zoom and, and, and House Party. And, totally. you know, like I feel like we're much closer now than we've been uh, in the past. Uh, and hopefully this and, is something that will continue on, right? And maybe busier, if not just as busy as before, you know. Oh, my gosh. I'm so much that. I'm so much I've, I've caught up with every single person I've ever talked to in my entire life over the past, like, month and a half. Um yeah. And, and also I, I found myself extremely busy. I've been recording a ton and like working on projects and like, dude, you know, times like this, it's best to keep busy because you could go stir crazy. But yeah, the social part of it, I agree with you, Southern. It's like, I'm constantly on, on a house party or zoom or a phone call, you know, and I, and you know, we're using Zencaster for heritage radio network. And the cool thing about this program is that the audio is actually the closest thing to real time that I've experienced out of any of those other formats, you know, because there's always a lag, which it's kind of a bummer because especially from playing music and uh, wanting to do that, there's always like a a lot of those programs are are fast, but they're not fast enough to uh, play in real time. But this one's pretty damn close. So it's it's cool. I mean, like I feel like a lot of the, uh, the tech companies who that have the, uh, have these programs are probably working their asses off because, you know, this is the way we communicate right now and uh, we're trying to keep them as uh, up to date as possible. The the guy that does the sound for Bar None, my other podcast, he um, is an app developer and his specialty is apps that let people telework. Um, so I just finished the audio for our upcoming episode. I sent it to him. I was like, hey, so what's your workload like? He's like, honestly, I could work 200 hours a week on building these apps and still have work left over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's boom and bust. Uh, anytime things are going great, people are making money, of course, but anytime things are going poorly, there's a section, section of people who are, who are making money. I can't, uh, can't fault them for that. Um, Greg, you want to bring in our guest? Yeah, absolutely. So in the studio today, we have Tobin Ellis coming to us live from Las Vegas from Ooh. Bar Magic. How are you doing, man? I'm good. How are you guys? Good as can be. Yeah, exactly. Given, given the circumstances, I think we're all doing you know as, as well as we can. Yeah, I mean, I miss old Earth. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't take credit for that. That's Leo DeGroff. Yeah. <laughs> oh uh, man! So, Out of all the places, like you know, like you guys are in New York and you're in Las Vegas, man. That's 
you know, like I'm, I'm here in Marin County in California and it, you know, it, it kind of looks like it always has. It's pretty, you know, chill and not, not too crazy, you know, plenty of space for between people. Like, so the social distancing thing isn't really like too much of a change, but I was talking with, uh, you know, some people in New York about like how freaky it is there with, you know, the like kind of desolate vibes there. And I was talking with Danny Neff a couple of weeks ago about Vegas. And he was like, man, it's just like the weirdest place right now. Like, I mean, yeah, I, I can see that from a, from a tourist point of view, because, you know, to, to you guys, to everyone else, Vegas is the strip. That's it. Like we don't have homes. We all live in casinos, <laughs> you know, it's, and in fact, it's this sprawling suburb that if you ignored a couple of the, you know, video poker games, it looks like anywhere in the Southwest. Right. But so the strip is a ghost town. But what's funny is that I just went out for a run yesterday and the, the lap I do normally on a weekday, I'll see four or five people. Maybe there must have been 40 people. I mean, it was like, <laughs> is our version of Central Park here? I think New York's got to be the weirdest place in the country right now that. I spent a lot of time there. My girlfriend grew up there. I grew up upstate. I've lived in, in the city uh, briefly 20 years ago. And the weirdest experience for me always traveling of anywhere in the world is going from the city, from New York, back to Vegas. And all of a sudden, I'm like, God, where did all the people go? Yeah. You know, I, I miss the people. Yeah. And, uh, in these times, I'm doing some cocktail delivery. And yesterday, I had a delivery up on um, 67th and Park. And then, you know, I'm on a, I have a little electric scooter. As I turned around to head south on Park, uh, I stopped and took a photo. And as far as you know, the camera eye could see, there wasn't a single vehicle on Park Avenue headed south. Wow. Which is like it's creepy. Like, yeah, it's but you could probably you could probably get from like Stuy Town to Harlem in like 13 minutes now, though. I oh, mean, indeed. Yeah, it's indeed. not all bad. Yeah, yes. indeed. There's traffic the... wide open. That's yeah. the, that's the silver lining. I uh, guess yeah, it's we, a very hollow. Yeah, it's a very hollow feeling. It felt, uh, you know, like uh, the, the film uh, uh, I Am Legend, right? Where yeah. New York, New York is <laughs> wow. just empty, like, a, you know, the occasional piece of, you know, you know, grocery bag blowing by in the wind and that's it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, I heard, I don't know if it's true, of course, but um, I thought of the same movie when I heard there were coyotes on the Golden Gate Bridge or something, like they're, they're moving in. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, although I don't know, you know, there's so, so much scavengery. There's not a lot to scavenge, you know, right now. Um, the streets are so empty. There's no, you know, I've seen lots and lots. This is a very unusual thing that I hadn't thought of until you mentioned the coyotes. Um, I've seen lots and lots of large gatherings of pigeons, uh, which I've never really seen before. They're just hanging out because there's not enough people around, you know, dropping scraps of food for them to spread out. Um, that can't, that can't be good. That's, yeah, we, don't, they, we don't need the pigeons organizing. This yeah, is once they, part of the apocalypse. Start, they're going to start plotting. <laughs> wow. Um, if they decide to turn, I mean, the world's oh, over. over. Yeah, they're that's everywhere. It. Yeah, yeah. If they team up with the rats, we're done for. <laughs> Old Earth. <laughs> Put their age-old differences aside to team up against us. Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go now. This is... It's really depressing and scary. <laughs> uh, no, it's it's, it's, it's observational. Around, it's right? observational humor. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. Um, so, Tobin, you um, are obviously well known because you make these amazing uh, bar. Uh, what do we call this? The back bar, the underbar. Uh, you make these stations it's, behind the bar. Yeah, that is incredible. They're, they're, bar, they're bartender stations. Technically, they're it's yeah. called underbar, but they're they're bartender stations. Uh, they're and cockpits. Speak- 
Yeah, yeah, cockpits for cocktails, and, and you teamed up with Perlick uh, some time ago to make these things, and they're incredible. Uh, I, I've seen a couple of them. A couple of my pals have them. I'm intensely jealous every time I do. Talk about you know Sweet. your company and how it began and and what what it's done for you, and what it's done uh, for the business. Yeah, um, I mean, it was 23 years ago. I was working in Oswego, New York, at a place called the Shacky Patch. This groovy little joint where college dive that had all the locals and the college kids. Everyone went there. And this great owner had it, his manager. He got bumped out by the the landlord who uh, jacked his rent up and thought he could take it over and then told me to come in and take it over. I'm like, oh, great. I get to be that guy. Like the guy that used to run it was a good friend, Greg Hawthorne. He's still in the business. And it was tanking. So I started doing all the things that I thought would work as a 22-year-old or whatever I was. And they did. And so another owner asked me if I could do that stuff for him. And I, a little light bulb went, oh, I can get paid on the side to just do stuff I'm good at for other people. I'm going to do that. And there was, I think at the time, this was 97, I think possibly um, show tenders was around in Florida, which were consultants for national chains. And I think that Steve Olson had started or was about to start his gig or maybe he already had. And that was it, I think, on the planet for bar consultants. So... Um, that's how it started. And, um, you know, um, it grew and all that good stuff. And I, I think what's most important now is what I've always tried to do is at least personally is try to celebrate the life, the role, the being a bartender. There's nothing wrong with being a bartender. And no matter what your stylistic trend is, you know, you don't have to call yourself a mixologist to be respected. Bartending is a respectable craft that always has been. So more respect for bartending and just for everyone to kind of get along and lift each other up. So when this whole thing went down, uh, I just pivoted my company um, immediately and just started trying to figure out how can I help? What can I do with asthma stuck in my house in Vegas that might, you know, scratch a little tiny dent in this this massive dumpster fire we're in right now? Throw a couple drops of water on that. <laughs> so that's... Yeah, uh, so that's pretty much it. Um, so about four weeks ago, I started this uh, page on my website. It's called the Hospitality Relief Dashboard. It's um, it's at barmagic.com slash relief. And it is just a map and a list and videos, all re- hospitality-facing, relief-focused. So if you're looking for a fund, small business relief, wellness, health, you need something to lighten your day up and laugh, um, and you want to search quickly to your state, Click on New York, for example, right now, and up pops a list of the most current information that I can find and a few volunteers can find that's available for all that kind of stuff. Well, that's great because one of the one of the things that I remember right like that first week when this happened, when everybody was scrambling, is that there was it was great to see so many people come to the rescue of this industry. You know, it was great to be reminded how much this community takes care of its own and cares for its own, but it was everywhere. Like everyone had, uh, Oh, like use this resource, use this resource, call this person, apply for this grant. And it was, um, just so much. It was like, um, like being in like the world brewery and not being able to tell the difference between a lager and an ale, you know? So having a a directory and a way to kind of navigate this system is, is something that I imagine has been very helpful for a lot of people. Absolutely. I hope so. Have you guys ever, uh, were you ever, did you know any statistic kids or were you one that like poured water over like an anthill? (laughs) Or have you ever accidentally stepped on an anthill? Oh yeah. 
Yeah. Okay, so so ants are some of the most organized uh, species on the planet. Their communication system is insane. How they can, what they can do, except when there's chaos or crisis. And what happens if you step on an anthill? Besides that, you end up with a swollen foot for two weeks if it's a red anthill, like I did. Immediately, there's just chaos. The ants just scramble everywhere. It's survival. There's no organization. The communication breaks down, but very quickly it comes back into order. And that's really what happens in a crisis with humans as well. Not as we don't recover as quickly, but it's ready, fire, aim. And that's what happens. That's what happened here. So everyone rushed out to help without anyone stopping and saying, are we all trying to do the same thing? And, and that's normal and natural. But to try to bring that communication back and a little bit of order just to consolidate resources, focus the energies and actually have some impact is is a necessary step in crisis. And uh, that's what I saw right away. And I went, I've been through this before. I've seen this chaos in crisis Last time I didn't know what to do. This time I know what to do. I'm going to help do the thing that no one else is doing for now that tries to give people in crisis information fast. They don't need immediately. They're not looking for articles and opinions and all that kind of stuff. They want help now. You know, the phone number to get help for the police or first responders, it's not a 14 digit number. It's 911. When you're in crisis, you need things quickly. So that was just the idea. And that's kind of what I did. Yeah. Also, I feel like it's just, you know, uh, in the immediacy of these things, when they happen, uh, you, you're overwhelmed uh, by a conundrum of choice and you, you don't really even have time to like filter through the choices to make the best one. You just are like, fuck it, throw my money at something. I, I, I just want to feel good. I want to feel like I'm helping. I want to throw some money at something. I'm trapped in my house. Nothing I can do. Uh, I can at least do this. You know, I can, I can fire a Venmo. I can throw something at a GoFundMe. I can look for all these things, but, and they're all popping up in front of me, but it's good to have a resource where they're listed and that you can take a moment in that crisis mode and still make a, a, you know, a choice that's the right thing maybe for you or the right thing for the community that you want to support. Totally. Totally. In fact, you you just described the experience of trying to navigate a cheesecake factory menu in the mid nineties. Last week before they closed Uh, down. But you know, there's just pages and pages and it's, you get this decision fatigue. It's called Hicks law. And it's basically the more dis- the more choices you have, the worse the decision making typically is and the longer it takes. And that's another piece of it, right? So when there's so many people competing for, you know, support my fund or go to this place or do that, it people just kind of get like, that's it. I can't, it's too much. I got to go watch some crazy tiger, sleeveless tiger guy for half an hour <laughs> and, and escape this or whatever. So yeah, it's, it's, but you're right. It's the biggest thing is it's got to be personal because- we want to talk about these kind of high level help and crisis and, and we should, but we also have to realize that it's just, it's a basic human need to have purpose and to, we only care about the things we're attached to. So people want to find funds that feel personal. You want to support that, that restaurant or that bar that you miss, you know, you want to support like little Frankie's in the LES or you want to support the East wind snack shop in South slope or the places you miss the most and do something that feels like you made a difference. And that's something that I thought, well, then let's regionalize this help and let's categorize it so people can quickly find the thing, whether they're trying to help or they need help and they can get the thing that helps them now, not like, you know, the same 10 funds that were closed down within two days that were all had, you know, half a million applications. 
Exactly. Well, guys, this is a good moment to take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. We're going to come right back and keep talking with uh, Tobin Ellis about the barmagic.com forward slash relief uh, dashboard where you can check out uh, uh, tons of different things in one spot so that you can make a, a concerned and, and, and decisive choice. Stay tuned. During this time, it's more important than ever to support our friends and neighbors in the restaurant industry. Restaurant Workers Community Foundation has set up a national COVID-19 crisis relief fund. The money they raise will provide direct relief to individual restaurant workers, support other nonprofits serving restaurant workers in crisis, and offer zero interest loans for restaurants to get back up and running. Visit restaurantworkerscf.org to donate today. And if you need a little extra motivation, you can DM your $20 donation to RWCF's co-founder, John DeBerry, on Twitter, and he'll give you directions for making a signature quarantine cocktail. Donate now at restaurantworkerscf.org. And we are back. You're listening to The Speakeasy on Heritage Radio Network. And in the studio, we have Tobin Ellis. And we were talking about the ways we can all help out to get organized. You know, honestly, like, I'm I'm completely, like, talking about this, I'm still completely lost on what to do in these situations. So it's great to have a have a resource that's kind of, like, weeded through a lot of the the kind of static of it, you know? Yeah, sure. Some kind of beacon that can guide people, you know, because yeah. I, I, you know, I put myself in the opposite boat too. You know, I'm having trouble figuring out what it is I need to do on my side to get people's attention, you know? Um, so like, it's, it's good to have resources out there that are readily available. And like you said, sort of more of in the 911 situation instead of a 14 mm-hmm. uh approach. What spurred you to, to take this up you know, take on this mantle and get it going? Uh, a couple of years ago, on October first, uh, in we were my girlfriend and I were at Sparrow and Wolf, uh, kind of a local beloved little restaurant here um, that's very involved in the community, having dinner. And the we got text messages. Both everyone in the restaurant started going, "What the hell?" There was a shooting going on, and it was an active shooter scene, and it might have been multiple shooters, and we were freaking out. And it was, you know, it turned out to be the largest case of domestic terrorism in the country at the Mandalay Bay shooting. Right. And the next day um, on social media, the first thing everyone's like trying to help. And someone says the blood banks that they, there's, they need blood. Every blood bank in Las Vegas and Clark County had lines half a mile, mile long. An hour later, another round of social media trends that says all the people in lines, you know, it's, it's hot out. They need water and get them water. So everyone rushed out and got cases of water and started dropping off cases of water at the blood banks for all the people in line. Now, this is all great. Uh, you know, it's it's great humanitarian efforts by individuals to all rush together to help. An hour later, Metro came on social media, which they never do, and said, please stop dropping off water. You are blocking the first responders paths. Nobody needs water because the blood banks don't need blood. They have enough blood, more than enough blood. Right. But of course, that that didn't get out. And I watched that unfold and I said to myself, wow, like this is crazy. Like I can't, I mean, I'm trying to put myself into, you know, what happened during 9-11? What kind of, what do you do in that first hour or two or day? How do you possibly take a broken system, a broken city or a broken 
people and immediately help. And the only thing that occurred to me was as I searched for help, like you guys were doing, like, where can I go to help? The only thing I could realize was that the help is it's, it's divided. It's, it's, you said something about, I think uh noise or something. It's just, it's noisy. There's just, everyone's trying to do kind of the same thing and we're not amplifying our voice and we're not focused. So this is, this is what I, this is what the market needs. And that's not a new kind of thing for me. Cause that's what my business has always done. You know, I started in flair bartending and actually I was doing cocktails at the same time, but the truth is back in 92, 91, nobody cared about cocktails. They just didn't. So the media cared about flair. So I pivoted and put all my energies towards flair. And I started up a flair bartenders association and I went on TV and I traveled the world and then that died down. So then I pivoted back to cocktails and then that blew up. And then I pivoted to design because everyone got into cocktails and being a cocktail consultant. And now that bartenders are getting into design, I'm pivoting to something else. And so I was used to seeing the unmet need in the market and quickly responding to it. So a lot of this stuff was sort of like just second nature to me. I don't think it's a big deal. I don't think, I don't even know if I'm helping anyone. I'll be honest. I think it's a tool that is powerful if it's used and there is, it is being used, but I don't know if anyone's gone to that page that can't keep their lights on, that's losing their house or their apartment and found something that they didn't know about and gotten money from it. And that's the thing that, that I wake up every day. Like, what can I do to fix that? How can I help that more? What, what's the real reason this page exists? Is it to make me feel good? Or is it to help other people? And how do I make sure that balance is always in place? Right. So on the dashboard, then, you've got opportunities for people to give, but you've also got opportunities for people to go and seek funding. Is that what I'm hearing? Oh, absolutely. So it's the primary purpose. The initial one was to help our industry, our hospitality family. So when you go to right now, if you go to New York and you double click on New York State, you'll see about 20 different resources pop up. And they include like things like, City Harvest, New York City Food Bank, the Roar Petition, Rethink Food, uh, all the things that we know about that exist. And most of it is focused on giving help on where if you're if you are in the hospitality industry and you need help, most of what's on the Bar Magic Relief Dashboard is that help. But it's also got the things for people to give help because you guys asked the question. And it's the number one question I get every single day. What can I do to help? We've got three stages of crisis, right? We've got triage right now. Our industry is bleeding out. Then we have rehab. We've got to get restaurants and bars back open and get people back to work. And then finally, third of all, we have to think about how are we going to rebuild this industry so this doesn't happen again? And everyone's in a different phase of, of grief and of support, like what they're doing. So what I tried to do is make sure that we are opening channels for all of those different kinds of relief, because as long as this problem stays in our little bubble, nothing really big gets solved. You know, we were left out of, you know, PPP. Uh, it's great. There's $350 billion in loans to small businesses, but the problem as Tom Colicchio and Naomi Pomeroy with their independent restaurant coalition pointed out is that, there's a cap on 2.5 times your average monthly payroll expenses. That's all the loans are for. Well, what about your rent? What about your vendor bills? What about your utilities, your insurance, your taxes? And 2.5 times, well, what if you're a seasonal restaurant? We just came out of the winter. Your monthly payroll was probably a much lower than it needs to be when we reopen in the summer. Yep. So really, it's I'm trying to help us all amplify our voice get it out of our cocktail, bartending, restaurant, hospitality bubbles 
and get it out to the mainstream America so that they hear and realize this isn't just an inconvenience. This isn't a staycation. And there's a little bit of concern. This is our industry is on fire and it's drowning at the same time. Restaurants you love will not be back when this is over. And no, it's not okay that someone else owns them. And if I hear that one more time, I'm probably going to jump through the microphone and strangle somebody because those are people's lives you're talking about, not your need to go out and have a dumpling or some soup and who cares who runs it. You know, we got to get the rest of the world to care about our industry and what's happened because you can't park cars from home and you can't wait tables from home. There's no virtual office for a bartender or a cook. Right. And not to mention, I think it's been kind of like glossed over a little bit, the sheer ecosystem that we support, you know, that's, this is, this goes from delivery drivers to purveyors to distributors all the way back to farms, of course, for food and, and natural things like wine. Um, you know, I, I was at the shop the other night, you know, making bottle cocktails that I've been delivering. Uh, and I, I saw the knife rack that's hanging on the wall and I thought, oh my gosh, I haven't seen Jim in over, over six weeks, you know, our knife sh- sharpening guy who stops by once a week, you know, and I'm like, this guy's probably out of business. You know, the, the linen delivery guys, like people think, oh, it's just a restaurant. They don't understand that the, the support system that has to make, that has to be present to make that place exist. So our, you know, their survival relies on our survival. It's a, you know, it's and a, it's not, you're it's right. A, and it's not, it's not just the little, you know, oh, the restaurants are suffering. We are a 2.5 trillion dollar a year driver for this economy, for the GDP. One out of every 10 workers in America works in this ecosphere. If you take, tourism, hospitality, and all of its support, all those industries together, that little Venn diagram that relates to food and beverage and hospitality. We've got 15 million workers just in hospitality alone. We represent such a large part of the economy that if we close down, a lot of people are going with us. So right now, and you know this, I mean, everyone in our industry is is screaming, wait, we're bailing out Wall Street again, and we're bailing out the banks again, and the giant businesses Okay, well, that's great. Have fun in your Ford that you drive nowhere because there's nowhere to go get a cup of coffee or a sandwich or a beer and have fun driving around, I don't know, doing what. I mean, this is a this is a big, big problem that nobody that I know that is alive has ever dealt with before. And I think it may be the first time in my lifetime that this collective family of hospitality people that are used to making it work and making it happen can't do it on their own. We need help. We need we need the government. We need the public to get behind this and realize this affects you in ways that you don't even begin to understand. And you need to because it's a lot more than just talking about a couple of restaurants closing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you uh, foresee? I've got my own visions and based on things that I've read, what, what do you foresee the hospitality industry looking like immediately upon reopening? Uh, not even long term. What do you how do you see us coming back in? <sighs> I think the honest truth is I don't think anyone really knows. I think there's a lot of informed and uninformed opinions and hopes of what that looks like. It's tough. And I'll give you an example of why. So you want to say perhaps that, you know, it's going to be a slow ramp up or there's going to be the, you know, space tables and all the new protocols to make this more normal and it'll slowly work its way back. But here's, there's factors like what this time period right now is doing to our industry right now in the national dining chain sector, which like it or not, makes up a large percentage of our industry. Yep. They are, they're all seeing their to-go, to-go sales for them used to be 10, 15%. Some were doing 20, 
25. A lot of them are seeing 40 and 50% of their revenues. And that includes, these are companies that have like items in grocery stores, you know, like TGI Friday's potato skins are in the frozen section of the grocery store. So they've got multiple channels. PF Chang's right now, their to-go sales represent 70% of their income. And, and the thing to think is, well, that's just because no one can go sit in their restaurants. Right. But they're a giant scale business. Do you think when this changes, they're going to take 70% of their revenue stream and just say, okay, never mind. We don't need that anymore. Hell no. They're going to look at that and go, well, there's something there. Maybe we should build more ghost kitchens. Maybe we should focus on our to-go apps and loyalty programs and all these other pieces. Right. And and look at look at all you guys. What are you doing? You're eating at home. You're drinking at home in ways you never did. And now you're starting to go, this is kind of cool to get a view Carre delivered to my house, you know, or a Hemingway daiquiri. I, I mean, I love these bars, but I kind of like to sit home in my pajamas and smoke a bong and have a cocktail too. So, you know, that's not going to go away when this ends. So I think when we get come into new earth, you know, we're going to see a change in the industry that I don't think too many people have predicted or were ready for, but hopefully it's an increase of channels so that there's to go and on-premise and it's not a cannibalization of one or the other. I'm hopeful for that too. My worry, of course, is that after months and months of being told by the government and everyone around them, the public is going to be pretty slow uh, being told by everyone around them to stay six feet away from each other. They're going to be pretty slow to go back to the elbow to asshole nature of like some of our bars, you know? Yeah, I know. You know, it, it's, yep. And, and I'm, already, right. I'm already thinking about how I'm going to pivot. You know, my bar is only 240 square feet and uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about doing sort of almost like a, a two hour windows and only allowing 16 people in at a time and, and having basically just a price that you pay and you can drink whatever you want in that two hours. But after that two hours, you're out and the next people are in stuff like that. <laughs> um, sadly, we're having to rush this episode because uh, we're running out of time and we have another live episode coming up after this. But I want to touch on you sent me uh, you sent us rather a list of things you wanted to talk about. The last one was how the listener can help now quickly and for free. Can you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely. So if anyone that's listening right now, I'm sure everyone has a device in front of them, goes to barmagic.com slash relief. If you take like two minutes and if you know of a fund or a resource or anything related to hospitality, help or relief or aid, and you know about it and you see it's missing, there's a red button right at the top that says add to the map. Just click it. it takes I, I, about 11 seconds to add one on there. Cut and paste the link. Boom, boom, boom. Hit submit and add to this crowdsourcing you know, uh, resource and, and letting people know it's out there. So hopefully it can help because really instead of having you know 3 million people all trying to post something on their Facebook page and only a few people are seeing it, if we all kind of get together and amplify that voice, uh, we can start to, to really make a dent and make a difference and get the help where it's needed directly now. That's yep. what people can do. They can realize that your $10, $20, $50, $100, adding a link, sharing a resource, a post of these type does make a difference. It reaches people and it starts to amplify just like uh, one little girl in the middle of Europe can do to change how the world looks at global warming by walking out of a classroom and becomes a movement. Everyone can actually make a difference right now and we need it right now because the government isn't listening. So we need uh, we need the people to get together and make a difference. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because I want my baby back, baby back, baby back. Seriously though, like I was talking with some, some buddies, you know, like the you know, each week, you know, it's very uncertain. We're talking about like, you know, what's the first place you're going to go to? Like when places start to open back up and you know, I was like, fuck man, I would, I would go to a Chili's in Las Cruces, New Mexico right now. If, if it were open, oh, uh, I, I, have, I have an absolute answer to that question. And it's, it's not going to be the answer you think it is. 
the, the first place I go to is the nearest fucking place that's open. Absolutely. I'm going to go somewhere where there are people eating and drinking and laughing and talking. I yep, think we're sure. going to see the biggest bar crawl in this country's history. I think like 100 million people are going to be out for like 11 hours just like, next place, let's go, let's go. I, I hope that happens because really we've figured out how to have the connection you know, virtually now, but that's the real product at your bar, Southern. That's the, the product that people miss. They miss the connection. So we're not going to lose. People aren't going to stop going to bars and restaurants. They're going to be dying to go to bars and restaurants mm-hmm. because bringing people together, the alone together and the together together is what makes our industry great these little social spaces and we miss those social spaces and, and people will be back. It makes our industry great, Tobin. It also simply makes humanity great. So um, I think that's a fair uh, place to stop because I know Amanda's uh, itching to get the next show up and running, but Tobin really, really great to talk to you. Very, um, you're very thoughtful and very eloquent in your approach to this situation. And, and uh, I want to make sure that everybody uh, knows to go out and follow you uh, on your social handles, which are Tobin Ellis design, uh, and then also go to barmagic.com slash relief and uh, participate in whatever way you can, uh, whether that's uh, sharing something that isn't up there or sharing the information with other people and getting them to, to make uh, some sort of donation. Uh, really, really a pleasure to talk to you, Tobin. Thank you. Thanks so much, yeah. gentlemen. Appreciate it. Keep the faith. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Me too. All right. That's it for the speakeasy this week. Go to check out the aforementioned websites. Help out as much as you can. Uh, and even if it's just giving someone a call that you haven't talked to in a while, I mean, we all need it. You know, we need to stay socially connected, um, no matter what, uh, check out heritage radio network for many other programs like this one. Click on the beating heart, donate, uh, until next week, stay safe, wash your hands and cheers guys. Cheers team. Thank you. Cheers. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in them rhythm and blues that sound. It's gonna get you some in the end. The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows that you like. Tell your friends. And please, Join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.